Hello, 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 and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monica, daughter of Persephone. This week we're starting on the fifth and final book of Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. We're talking about chapters one, two, three of The Last Olympian. Incredible. Okay, um... First things first, this is my favorite book. I'm so excited. I love finales, which I think is Mm -hmm. like a controversial or not popular opinion. I know a lot of people don't like endings. Um, I love endings, especially if it's done well. Like I always go to the final season of things if it's done well. Not like it's like we got a final season and we decided to screw everything up like on TV shows and stuff like that. What, you're not always watching the final season of Game of Thrones? That's... (laughs) Honestly, up until the last two episodes, the final season of Game of Thrones was so good. Some of the best I agree. acting I didn't visuals. Think, yeah, I didn't think the first few were... I thought the first few were very good. Yeah. But that's a whole other topic that's that a, people are very heated about. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. It's like you take some of the best like um, visuals and acting and all of the other stuff and you give it absolute crap writing and then you have the Mm -hmm. last season of game of thrones and it's so Mm -hmm. frustrating but for example like this book is my favorite the return of the king is my favorite lord of the rings movie the last harry potter is my favorite book and movie my favorite lord of the rings movie is the second one because legolas has the most screen time i calculated it as a child he sees that they're taking the hobbits to isengard to to isengard to isengard Isengard. But yeah, I love the last book in most things. So this one is, I think, the best last book because it's clearly mm-hmm. it wraps things up. There's a lot of things that they've he's alluded to in previous books that comes together and you're just kind of like, yes, this is everything to me. And I think Rick's writing is like peak good in this book. Yes. Like it I think of all of the books I've read of his, I think his writing is the best in this one just in terms of like there are no plot holes. Yeah. Which, uh, Heroes of Olympus and Trials of Apollo are littered with plot holes. <laughs> that is more of like he was not ready to let go of this universe exactly. and continue yeah. to write. Whereas the rest of the series was like, this is what we've planned. These are how the books are going to mm-hmm. go and this is how it's going to end. Like same thing with Harry Potter. Like, you know, she sucks as a human, but yeah. like, she did a great yeah. job of laying out the groundwork for Harry Potter to come to an yeah. end so satisfyingly. She's definitely, yeah, yeah. I'll give her that. She planned them very well. Yeah. I will say for Hunger Games, though, I think the second book and second movie was my favorite. The third one, I think, was just hard to stomach, but it was really, the book was so good. Like, Suzanne Collins knows how to really hit the, nothing is what it seems, and you should question all government figures the best that she can. It wasn't, like, a good ending, but it wrapped it up really nicely, Mm -hmm. and it felt... Well, not really even. It didn't wrap it up nicely. It felt um, <laughs> characteristic of the series, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it felt like it drove home the message. Yeah. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, well, they gave her, like, a domestic ending of, like, being a mom and, like, having to have children and all of that yeah. stuff. And I get that criticism, but I also understand, like, in normalcy in a dystopian world where she was denied everything... It's kind of like what Suzanne Collins was like. This is what she was trying. This is all she wanted, like the bare minimum, and she got it. Yeah, yeah. I hated the third book of that because I was, um, I was a Team Gale girl. Oh God, I remember that. Please don't kill me. Do you have regrets? I do, but I also don't think I'm Team Peta still. I haven't reread those books in a long time. I'm like Team Nobody. I'm team Katniss. So that's the thing, right? They're, they shouldn't have been yeah. teams. It wasn't about that. Yeah, I'm just exposing, like, 15-year-old Aaron for being yeah. team Gale. And you know what? We all make mistakes. That's okay. I'm still not team Peta. I don't think he's even better. I just, I liked Finnick oh, and yeah. Joanna. Anyway, we are so... Oh, we're so <laughs> off topic. I'm so sorry. Um, Speaking of off topic, I do have to, unfortunately for us... Uh, shout out my friend Maddie because she unfortunately made a really good point about our a couple episodes ago when we were ranting about Pan. That was literally um, one. Was that one episode? No, that I was think two, two episodes ago. Two episodes mm-hmm. ago. Um, yeah, you're right. 
ranting about Pan of, about putting responsibility on children and just like dying. And she said, and I quote, bold of you to get mad at Pan for putting responsibility on children when all you want to do is put responsibility on Bianca, who is a child. <laughs> and uh, I was so mad. I was like, mm, you don't have to be right you know or like <laughs> hey we're not saying that we're good people <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just it's i mean she makes a very good point like i was putting a lot of responsibility i was like bianca shouldn't have abandoned her her brother like seeing remembering that she is 14 and is also dead and now is a ghost but you know what i am a flawed person and even though I'm not perfect, I want everyone else to be and I can judge others. So I'm saying that Bianca should have done better. Well, personally, I am perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Just not to, um, what's the saying? Beat a dead horse? Is that the saying? Yeah, that's the saying. Yeah, okay. Not to beat a dead horse, but I get, like, it's not Bianca's fault, her mistakes. We should really be looking at the gods who, like, made her grow up as an orphan and abandoned her and then made her join the hunter you know it's a lot of layers of this yeah just constant disappointment every adult figure failed her until she died yeah. and that's yeah. a common shout out theme. to maddie shout <laughs> out to maddie for telling us that we're mean to children <laughs> just called us out put us in our place okay i like to think it's more you i don't think i'm as mean to bianca but no you yeah. are nicer to bianca i was like yeah. very vicious to her for no reason yeah it's i think okay. it's a younger sibling, sibling thing mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. i was yeah. like yeah. how dare you should always baby your younger sibling aka me. <laughs> i'm a like- baby <laughs> Take care of me forever. <laughs> God, and I'm like, no sympathy, even though, like, you shouldn't put children in the role of adults regardless of age mm-hmm. or status, but I'm like, I'm the baby. <laughs> My poor brother. Oh, the irony. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, I think <laughs> we should get into it. So, mm-hmm. you know, to summarize these three chapters, in an explosive start... Percy deals with Cronuslush Luke, visits the underwater palace, and finally learns his prophecy. Whoo! Book five, here we go. Chapter one, I go cruising with explosives. When I was taking these notes, it felt like the longest opening chapter ever. Normally they're short and sweet, but no, we're, we're diving into it. Not only, like, do we literally someone dies in chapter one so like a lot a lot's going on so we open up on percy having a great afternoon with a miss rachel elizabeth dare driving around in paul's prius illegally may i mention because he's only 15 and paul trusts him to do that because paul is like he's up there he's not at sally jackson god tier but he's he's just behind her you know as a man should be (laughs) so they're on a stretch of private beach which although percy does not call it a date is definitely a date we find out that rachel has been waiting on an answer from percy her family has a vacation house in the caribbean and they invited percy to come along but of course prophecy calls it's the summer percy is supposed to turn 16 and he is on call for a mission and i just want to know what 15-year-old's parents let their boyfriend come on a trip? Not even boyfriend, their almost boyfriend, come on a trip to the Caribbean. What 15-year-old even goes to the Caribbean other than Kira Knightley? Rachel Elizabeth Dare, daughter of billionaire Dare. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You also think that this, this adult father who's clearly not present in Rachel's life knows yeah. of anything, that this boy might be a boyfriend? She, he's probably like... Finally, this psycho has a friend to bring him to the beach. Like, in his eyes, Rachel's probably still, like, a five-year-old that, like, doesn't have feelings for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, they put a pin in Percy's decision to go to the Caribbean, and then they try to have a normal afternoon. Percy says, quote, just a normal afternoon and two normal people, to which Rachel, who is a fearless queen says and so hypothetically if these two people liked each other what would it take to get the stupid guy to kiss the girl huh and like every time she says that i'm like damn girl you're so forward amazing 
opposite of Annabeth, who was like, solve this riddle and then fill out this test and maybe you'll know what I'm feeling. Yeah, and like maybe I'll kiss you, but then I won't talk to you for like three months. Which is what Percy needs because he's super oblivious. So he needs a both. But um, I think that's why he thinks Rachel's like, quote unquote, like easier to understand. Mm -hmm. But that's not, life is not about being easy, Percy. It's about the difficult choices. Maybe Annabeth really does fit being a cancer, because that's, like, a real cancer thing to do. Being, like, anyway. emotionally confusing. M- manipulative. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Percy then admits to himself that he has thought about Rachel in that way, and that she's easier to be around than, quote, some other girls I knew. No name dropping, but we all know. Girl. <laughs> yeah. We're like, who, your mom? It's Annabeth, obviously. Um, But he doesn't have time to actually make a move, regardless of if he wants to. He doesn't really make it clear if he actually wants to. Because then, Blackjack lands on top of his car with Beckendorf riding him. As a refresher, we get a little refresher as to who Beckendorf is, you know. A timely refresher. Beckendorf is the senior counselor for Hephaestus. He sounds super hot, and he shows up dressed for combat. Duty calls. I would date the mess out of Beckendorf, I'm just saying. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Selena yeah. knew what was up. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll in get some into ways. It. She got this right. She yeah. got, well, she didn't, though. Anyway. <laughs> Before um, Percy goes off with Beckendorf, Rachel kisses him herself, just goes for it, and then they ride off. And Percy, like, we don't get a lot about, like, what he thinks about this, which is interesting. I don't think he knows what he thinks. Don't know Mm -hmm. if he thinks, you know? (laughs) You don't think he's ever thought in his life. I don't think he's ever had a thought. In Beckendorf, the ultimate bro says, I'm guessing you don't want me to mention that little scene to Annabeth. Which, like, I was like, Percy's smart enough to know that Annabeth would get mad about him kissing Rachel, but, like, too dumb to realize why. Or does he know why at this point? Or is he just afraid to do anything with it? (laughs) Um... I don't know. That's actually a good point. I feel like he knows why she would get upset, but he's like, oh, but she still has feelings for Luke. So he's not trying to get into that. So he's like, well, she's going to get upset, but he's also a bit of a, "Mm, this is like a question for later, but like, is he a coward or not in not making a Mm, move? Yeah. 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 I think, and like, honestly, does he really think she's in love with Luke? Like, he's not that dumb. I don't know. I think he's just afraid. He's afraid of Annabeth. I think he would think he's she's still, like, in love with Luke because he himself yeah. is in love with Luke. That's and true. Like, he's like, who I, wouldn't be? <laughs> exactly. Like, I have to compare myself to that, of course. Like, this guy who's older and in Percy's eyes is the hottest man alive is going That's to be true. what he has to compete for and also has known Annabeth for so much longer. True. Yeah got some competition mm-hmm. well speaking of luke percy and beckendorf head straight for the princess andromeda luke's stupid cruise ship which is heading straight for new york apparently they've been prepping to sabotage luke's ship for weeks like with traps and running drills and stuff i don't know blackjack sets them down on the ship and percy immediately spots a ton of monsters just milling around percy and beckendorf sneak past them percy notices beckendorf he takes out a picture as they're sneaking around, looking longingly at this little picture of Selena from his pocket, who is oh. the head counselor for Aphrodite, which is just, like, so dorky and cute. Oh, kill me now, that's so cute. I Only because I think Beckendorf's hot. If he wasn't yeah. hot, I would think this was the worst thing ever. <laughs> and also I think because he is dating Selena. If he wasn't dating Selena, this oh, would be... Oh, it would be super creepy. But do you know what I do... Do you know what I remember? Is like in the second book, Percy prints out a picture of Annabeth and puts it in his notebook that she emailed yeah. him. So is how Percy does he not creep? understand? And he's a bit of a creep, but he was also like 12. He didn't know any better. He was like, I think he did it too because he was like... To remember that this summer was real and that Camp Half-Blood's real and I get to go back there and also I'm in love with Annabeth even though I don't realize it for, like, years. I know. Oh, Percy. Maybe this is a callback to that, the fact that Beckendorf is carrying around a picture of Selena. Maybe Percy should be like, oh, 
I still carry around that photo of Annabeth, don't I, from when she was 12. Maybe this means something, but no. No. He doesn't think that far. Mm-hmm. So Percy sees Beckendorf looking at the picture and promises that they'll make it back to camp. And we all know how reliable Percy's promises are after what happened with Bianca. Oh. <laughs> Percy's Hot really tea. good at promising. <laughs> so the two of them head straight for the engine room and begin to place jars of Greek fire there. They start attaching jars of Greek fire to different control panels when they hear pounding on the stairs. Percy goes to distract whoever's coming down the stairs and promises to meet Beckendorf at the rendezvous point, which I don't know where that is, but he just calls it that. Percy then rips through a bunch of telkines and also fights a giant crab in the fountain, which he names Mr. Krabby, which I thought was a missed opportunity for Mr. Krabs. I mean, I don't think anyone else in the world is as into Spongebob as we were at this age. You're and right. now as adults, which is weird, but okay. <laughs> weird. Mm. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. He recalls some knowledge that Paul taught him about crabs when they went crabbing, because that's apparently something him and Paul do. Again, Paul is great father figure. And how crabs apparently have a chink in their armor in the middle of their bellies. So he manages to hit it there, and the crab dissolves, and Percy continues onwards, fighting monsters and leading them away from where Beckendorf is laying their traps. While he's fighting, he notices young demigods that look like they're the same age he was when he first came to Camp Half-Blood. And he makes a point to avoid, like, hurting these kids and feels really bad for them. So here's Percy. He's learning that the world isn't so black and white at this point. And he tells, he sees a kid and he tells him, like, get off the ship if you want to live and, like, tell your friends, basically. Mm -hmm. Which he recognizes could sabotage the plan, but he's like, I don't want children to die for this. They don't even know what they're fighting for at this point. Yeah, 100%, like, would also do the same. Mm-hmm. It's a good look for Percy. Mm-hmm. So Percy is almost in the clear when, of course, Luke stops him with a, you're late, Percy. Like, cue the the dramatic entrance. He turns off the lights. <laughs> so Luke's presence makes Percy irrationally angry, probably because of his rift with Annabeth over Luke and his inability to see Luke with nuance, which, like, I get it, Percy, Luke sucks. But, you know, gotta, if he's starting to look at things with nuance, he's still completely unable to see Luke with nuance at this point. And he has to force himself to remember that Luke is Kronos now, that he's more powerful than Luke ever was, and that his feelings toward Luke don't matter right now because it's Kronos. So Kronos slash Luke and Percy fight, and time literally slows down for a bit. Percy uses the sea to fight back and douses everyone on the deck with seawater. Percy's blade just bounces off of Luke. He can't kill him. Percy's like, how did this happen? And Percy is literally a titan, but okay. Yeah, right. And then Ethan Nakamura, who has apparently gone back over to Luke's side after being freed by Percy, emerges with Beckendorf dragged by giants. Percy notices that Beckendorf still has the detonator and that they didn't take it from him. It's like a little watch on his wrist. Beckendorf has tricked them into thinking that they caught him before he planted the traps because he like had some traps in his bag still and he's like oh I didn't put them down yet but he like motions to Percy that the traps are all ready to go. Kronos slash Luke tells Percy that he knew of their plan all along. He shows them a little silver bracelet with a scythe charm, a communication device that someone at camp must also have. <laughs> so I'm thinking of like the, like the charm bracelets that we were into in like middle, like elementary school and middle school. <laughs> and Luke is just like, aha, I have a charm bracelet. It has a horse on it. <laughs> and like a little jewel. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. He's like, I got this from the Scholastic Book Fair. Yeah. He's like, I went to Claire's. Maybe he went to Claire's with the Minotaur. He went to Claire's. Wow, he saw, full He saw circle. Nico in the corner but said nothing because, you know, in Claire's yeah. it's sacred. You don't talk to each other. You just, you know you what don't you're talk going to each through. Other. Yeah. Nico was buying, like, 90s-style chokers, black <laughs> chokers. <laughs> he sees Luke slash Kronos buying charm bracelets. <laughs> they just <laughs> nod at each other silently. <laughs> There's respect in this Claire's. The Minotaur is sitting in the chair getting its ear pierced. <laughs> its nose. Its nose is getting pierced. Its nose. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. This I'm is so sorry. great. I'm so glad we know about their jewelry. I know. Yes, Kronos has a charm bracelet, which yes. is really great. So 
that Percy's like, oh no, there's a spy at camp. And Beckendorf mouths for Percy to go. And despite his loyalty, Percy's immediately like, no, I'm not going to leave you. But he realizes that he has no choice if they actually want to do some damage to Luke. So he jumps off the side of the ship and the ship explodes in green flame. Green flame, including Beckendorf. First death of the book. Woo, 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 woo. I covered most of my notes, but the one that I like caught this time that I never caught before was the foreshadowing with the crab's weak spot. How Percy like, because it felt I was like, why is this being described in detail? Like mm-hmm. it was Percy was basically like, I fought this monster and this, and then there was Mr. Krabby, and like spends a whole page fighting Mr. Krabby, and it's not like an actual like he, but he goes over how like Paul taught him about like the weak spot in their bellies, and this is like foreshadowing to Percy's later weak spot from uh, the Achilles mm. thing. Yeah. And I was like, I see you, Rick, mm. teaching us about weak spots. I didn't think about that at all. You know what I was fixating on? The mm-hmm. idea that Percy and Paul go out into the ocean to go crabbing and Poseidon's just like watching them. Like, <laughs> this is my son and, you know, his mom's new boyfriend just like fishing in my ocean and he's teaching him about fish. I'm sure that went over well. Honestly, yeah, I didn't even think... That's really funny. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how does he not, like, make it so Percy always catches something, but Paul doesn't? I feel Mm -hmm. like Poseidon would do that, like, try to make Paul look bad. Put, like, a a little storm, like, right next to Paul every time he tries to catch a crab. (laughs) Yeah, a little storm cloud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Chapter two, I meet some fishy relatives. As he... Drifts through the sea, Percy dreams. He finds himself on Mount Tam in the middle of the pavilion, watching two titans have a conversation. All why Atlas is like groaning and holding up the sky (laughs) next to them. They just completely ignore him. They comment on the explosion, but aren't worried that it has done any actual harm to their cause. One of the titans is described as radiating sunlight, but in a harsher, crueler way than Apollo. The other has ram horns for some reason. (laughs) Golden Dude instructs Ram Horns, whose name is Krios, to stay and guard the mountain while he goes east to marshal their forces. Krios is a bit worried that they do not have the proper warriors for this fight, but Golden Titan is confident that they have enough tricks up their sleeve to overthrow the gods. The scene shifts and Percy is standing next to a boy eavesdropping on the whole conversation. He turns and looks right at Percy. It's Nico and he says that they are running out of time and Percy needs to follow Nico's plan in order to defeat them. It's essentially like alluded to that Nico showed Percy the scene and like through his eyes what was going on to convince Percy to follow through with his plan which how does he can he can control dream Nico is so powerful and for Nico's what? so cool yeah right he like I don't know I mean this is later too in the Heroes of Olympus I feel like he continues to have so much knowledge and then sh- shares it with nobody he's just like I'm mm-hmm. playing both sides in a way and yeah, Nico is crazy powerful, but that, yeah. it's kind of like a mood how he's like super powerful and he's like, mm, I don't need to try. <laughs> I don't need to do anything. <laughs> but it also kind of shows that Percy's so busy, like with his girl drama and he's like his yeah. specific prophecy and all this stuff. He does. If he had time to sit and like learn about his powers and learn about the Greek world like the Nico does, maybe he would be like unstoppable, but he's too like... Too much of a dipshit, honestly, to do anything about it. He's like, why would I study? Why would I enhance my knowledge when all I could do is, like, try to figure out what's going on with Annabeth, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Percy. We love you. Percy wakes up underwater to Tyson. He's in pain and recognizes he must be deep in the sea. And so I'm going to... A lot of this chapter, by the way, is me going reading out of the book because there's so much description and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not going to do it justice. So it is described as... I sat up and a gossamer sheet floated away. I was on a bed made of silky woven kelp in a room paneled with abalon shell. Glowing pearls the size of basketballs floated around the ceiling providing light. I was underwater. I love that's like the last statement. He's like, by the way, it's also all underwater. Normally, Percy would have been super excited that he's in his dad's palace, but there are explosions happening outside and his friend just like literally just died. So he's not feeling super great. The Princess Andromeda was blown up as planned, but Beckendorf is clearly dead. They 
couldn't find him and Percy knows in his gut there was no way he could have survived again like Rick not really being like Percy saw his decapitated body or whatever like the same thing with Bianca where her body just disappears but Mm -hmm. I think when you're a demigod and your parent kind of likes you they swoop you up so you're not just like floating around yeah I would hope so it's the least they could do (laughs) honestly Percy reflects how he had a girlfriend and was supposed to go to college in the fall and cannot fathom that he's gone. It also doesn't make him feel great that his friend died to blow up the ship and the Titans are like, whatever, it doesn't really matter to us in his dream. Mm -hmm. It's like, what was the point of that? They leave the room to go find Poseidon. And I have to unfortunately read this whole bit because I have to describe (laughs) the whole thing. Okay. The palace might have been the most amazing place I'd ever seen if it hadn't been in the process of getting destroyed. We swam to the end of a long hallway and shot up towards a geezer. As we rose over the rooftops, I caught my breath. Well, if you can catch your breath underwater. The palace was as big as the city on Mount Olympus, with wide courtyards, gardens, and columned pavilions. The gardens were sculpted with coral colonies and glowing sea plants. Twenty or thirty buildings were made of abalone, white, but gleaming with rainbow colors. Fish and octopi darted in and out of the windows. The paths were lined with glowing pearls like Christmas lights. The main courtyard was filled with warriors, mermen with fishtails from waist down and human bodies from the waist up, except their skin was blue, which I had never known before. Um, I'm going to skip all the other stuff. He basically says, like, merm people aren't like what they told me they would be like in The Little Mermaid. He finally comes and finds Poseidon, and he's expecting to see the Poseidon that he knows, which is the, like, tan man in the Bermuda shorts and Hawaiian shirt. But instead, mm-hmm. what he sees is an old man with um, a mermaid leg, a mermaid, f- whatever, what is it called? Tail. Thank you. Mermaid tail. A mermaid and- leg. Mermaid leg. <laughs> and um, next to him are two other people, and he's trying to map things out and discuss strategy with them. They're all wearing armor, and Poseidon doesn't look great. He looks aged, and he looks tired, and he's not smiling, even though he has his smile wrinkles around his eyes that Percy recognizes him, is the, the reason that Percy recognizes him. Poseidon then introduces... Percy to his other family, Triton and <laughs> Am- what Amphitrite, Amphi- sure, yeah, Amphitrite, who's like Amphitrite. Oh yes, Triton, um, Ariel's father, <laughs> which he like recognizes. He's like, I've seen the like, Little Mermaid is canon in this universe, so you know, yeah, Triton, yeah. You know. I wonder how mm-hmm. Triton feels about having this mermaid daughter in this. TV movie and finding yeah. out that she leaves for a human. It must break his heart. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Basically, they're not happy to meet and see Percy, seeing as he's like the... And Percy recognizes, he's like, I'm the product of Poseidon's affair. Like, mm-hmm. it's not comfortable. And they leave, not before Triton makes some really obnoxious older brother remarks. He's like, I am the son and the heir of Poseidon. And I'm like, weird flex, bro. You're dad is immortal what are you inheriting like shut up (laughs) they finally leave and Poseidon makes excuses for them he's like you know we're all tired we've been battling and we're you know I'm sorry for their behavior and Percy doesn't really think much about it the battle is with Oceanus who's the titan of the sea who was neutral in the last war and now it's going poorly and Poseidon why he looks so old is that he's reflecting the turmoil of his state of his realm onto himself which I was like you don't have to if you don't want to like you're <laughs> god you could like you're run a, god. a comb through your hair you can put some concealer on it's fine but if he wants to look old he wants to look old it's fine Oceanus keeps awakening sea monsters that even Poseidon has forgotten about and now his powers are taxed in the distance Percy sees Brary's fighting a giant crab Poseidon clearly is pleased to have him on his side and says, I wish I had an army of him, but, you know, I have one, so (laughs) we're doing what we can with him. Percy explains to his dad what's going on and what he saw with Cronus and how the whole uh, blowing up the ship went. And even though the explosion didn't kill Cronus, it bought them some time to regroup and fight. Percy is upset that there were other demigods on the ship that were killed, even if they were working for Kronos. He now, he sees the nuance of that, and basically he sees that emotion is really driving people to make their decisions, not 
logic or understanding it's more of these kids are abandoned by the gods or they don't understand what's going on and they're being brainwashed by chronos and percy doesn't think it's fair that they have to die for it poseidon on the other hand is like they chose their side i'm like they're 12 poseidon but fine (laughs) poseidon says that soon olympus will deal with a bigger threat so it's good that they have now time to regroup poseidon tells him to return to camp and tell chiron it's time to for him to hear the entire prophecy Percy really wants to stay and help his dad, but Poseidon tells him that his fight is not underwater, protecting the palace, and that he needs to leave. Poseidon sends Tyson back to the armory, and Tyson's really upset he wants to fight, and Percy suggests that Poseidon should let him fight. Poseidon says it's bad enough that he has to send Percy out into the world to eventually probably die, and he wants to protect Tyson. And I was like, you left him homeless for the first, like, 15 years of his life. Yeah. new love and protection coming from? Also, he has so many Cyclops children. Yeah. That he never takes care of, that they're literally called, what are they called, like, the homeless kids or something like that? Something like that. They're like the majority of, of in this universe of homeless children in New York. Yeah. And Poseidon's yeah. like, I don't want to send him to fight. I'm like, don't pretend you care now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, okay. With a hopeful promise that he will see Percy next week for his birthday, Poseidon says goodbye and sends Percy back to camp. I was just thinking how upset Triton must be. He's immortal, but Percy, who is like a mortal idiot, is the favorite son. <laughs> And not only that, he goes and he's, like, going to save the entire, like, Olympus family. So he's going to get a lot of recognition whether he fails or succeeds. And Triton's, like, existed for all of time. And I'm sure they don't even know his name. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Poseidon's like, Triton who? Who's that? (laughs) Oh, yeah, Triton. (laughs) It's so funny, too, because when Triton's being a little bitch to Percy, uh, Percy's like, well, let me stay and fight. Like... You know, let me prove myself. And I was like, I would have just started so much drama immediately. I would have been like, Dad told me I was his favorite. Like, immediately. (laughs) You're like, oh, well, I'm a favorite. (laughs) Oh, you're an heir? An heir of what? This? This palace that's being destroyed? You're not even doing a good job. Like, uh, Percy missed the opportunity to be petty. But it's fine. He's a Leo. Should have started family drama. Immediately. Like, this is the second conversation you had. Or just you start talking about how hot your mom is. I don't know. I think I could have done better. Excuse me. Do you think Leos are not petty? Leos are so petty. I have no... I honestly have no concept of um, a Leo. My mother is a Leo. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Your mom's a fire sign? That makes so much sense. I know. Yeah. 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 Sorry that was a bit back and forth with the reading from the book and that, but I wanted to try to describe it as best as possible, and I thought the book did it better. The book does do a great Mm -hmm. job. Also, I am so interested in the dreams of this universe where Nico can, like, control dreams to show Percy, like, what's going on, but that also means that maybe Kronos, every time Percy interrupts his, like, evil monologuing, wanted Percy to be there as an audience. Or, like, are we pretending that for some reason Nico has this power, but the Titans don't? And also, can, like, Percy, if he took the time and studied controlled dreams as well, and, like, Percy's able to go back in time to, like, watch literally Icarus fall from the sky... Could he go uh-huh. back to other historical events? Could he uncover the truth of so many things that, like, you was like, oh, you have to so be there? Cool. But instead, now he's just, like, dreaming about Kronos monologuing from, like, a ditch in the ground. <laughs> and, like, also, this is just, for Nico. this is, like, the beginning of his power, right? Yeah. Like, he's kind of still coming into it. Like, what if, like, what if, like, adult Nico can just, like, chill out in his dreams and watch, like, major historical events and wake up and it's like, oh, I know who killed, I know who the, the, what's the, the Zodiac killer is. He just wakes up one day. Didn't they catch him? No, that's the, um. That's the mystery one? Okay. That's still the mystery one. Which is hilarious cool. to me. Well, Nico could solve so much. I mean, at the same time, Nico could just go to the underworld and be like, yo, let we, I mean, he has to know their crimes anyway. So he already knows who, if the Zodiac Killer is dead and in the underworld, right? Like, Nico would have known who he was and what his crimes were. 
Nico should start a crime podcast. And people are going to be like, how did he, how does he know this information? And he's like, I can't reveal my sources. It's literally Hades. He's <laughs> like whispering, Hades is guest starring on this podcast. With like a voiceover, <laughs> so he sounds like all deep. <laughs> I'd listen. I'd listen to that. Little father-son murder solving. Okay. Chapter three. I get a sneak peek at my death. Percy arrives back at camp and surveys the area. He notices that there aren't as many campers and everyone is battle-worn. Chiron and Annabeth find him first. Percy admits that his heart did a little relay race in his chest when he saw her, but you know, won't admit what that means. But seeing Annabeth again also makes him feel confused, like almost immediately, because he remembers what she said about Luke and how he thinks she's in love with him, basically. And then he's like, oh crap, I have to tell everyone that Beckendorf died, including his girlfriend, Selena, who is absolutely distraught about it. Clarice comforts Selena about it, wink wink. Mm. And everyone disperses with the bad news, except Chiron and Annabeth, who stay to hear the full story from Percy. Percy tells Chiron that Poseidon said he needs to hear the prophecy finally, so the three of them make their way to the big house in the Oracle. I love Annabeth just being, like, the kid that's following the teacher around still. <laughs> like, she still is just following Chiron. <laughs> Annabeth and Percy go up into the attic to find the prophecy. There are some nice awkward moments here where Percy, like, is standing there alone with her and is like, Hey, the last time- he doesn't say this, but in his mind he's like, Oh, the last time we were, like, alone she kissed me and then, like, I exploded out of a volcano. And then he just kind- they kind of stare at each other for a while and there's tension in the air, but no one says anything. And Annabeth then takes the prophecy from the Oracle's necklace, which is a roll of parchment that has apparently been there the whole time. Mm -hmm. Just You just have to ask for it. Percy brings it down to a meeting of the senior counselors to read it aloud. Here we learn, once we get back to this meeting with the senior counselors, that there is some tension going on with the Ares cabin. Apparently, Clarice is only there to support Selena, um, only there at the meeting to support Selena, and she's yelling at Michael Yu, who's a new counselor of the Apollo cabin after Rick killed off the last one in the Battle of the Labyrinth, mm. um, about loot. Chiron claims that there's some loot that is rightfully Apollo cabins, but Clarice and the Ares kids feel slighted, and she's like, I'm not talking to anyone except Selena, and then she storms out of the room and says that they can, they can fight the war without Ares because she isn't getting her loot. <sighs> I had an epiphany about this. I have it in my notes, but I'll just go over it now. Mm-hmm. At first, I was like, I'm sorry, but Clarice's issue about the loot is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You're literally all dying. Shut up. And then I realized that it's the Achilles analogy. Yeah. You you know how, like, the Clarice and, and Selena have the Achilles and Patrocles thing going on later in this book? Yeah. But... Uh, the whole reason Achilles wouldn't fight was because uh, Agamemnon, I can never say that man's name, Agamemnon mm-hmm. took away Bryce's, his prize, because Ugh. love when women are prizes, that's really fun for us, and he then refused to fight because, like, basically he was looted of his, his loot was taken. His looted was woman. looted. His loot was looted, looted. <laughs> So I was like, oh, that's why this is happening, because it honestly is just kind of an annoying thing. And, like, I guess it's on brand for Clarice, but I thought she'd grown by this point, and it's just annoying of her. But I like it better, being like, oh, it's part of the Achilles analogy. Yeah. Anyway, after Clarice's dramatic exit, they read the prophecy aloud to everyone. And I will read the prophecy, too. A half-blood of the eldest gods shall reach sixteen against all odds, and see the world in endless sleep, the hero's soul, cursed blade, shall reap. A single choice shall end his days, Olympus to preserve or raise. And that's raise, R-A-Z-E, as they clarify, not raise, like, raise up. Raise raise the the roof. roof. It's raise the roof, Olympus will raise the roof. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Percy hears this, and he's, like, basically like, great, okay, I'm gonna die, thanks. And Annabeth points out that prophecies often have double meanings, but Percy just doesn't want to hear other interpretations. Like, he's just like, I don't need time. Uh, if I die, I die. I can't worry about that, right? 
and he's just like and annabeth is like literally like shaking next to him like <laughs> maybe you won't die maybe and he's just like it's fine i'm gonna die i love that for me and he just totally <laughs> accepts it like clearly he's not actually like stoked about no. it but he's just like he doesn't i think he doesn't want to think of alternatives because he's like nope i'm gonna assume the worst and then i don't want to have hope hopes for suckers yeah. says percy he then presses the other counselors to move on, like, from the prophecy, because everyone is trying to focus on it and trying to think of what it could mean and how Percy might not die, and Percy's like, nope, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Time to die. And he brings up the fact that, that there's a spy, that Kronos, you know, the little charm bracelet. Everyone then starts fighting and accusing each other, but Chiron brings up that the next assault is already on the way, and it turns out Typhon is making his way out of Mount St. Helens. Chiron shows them what's shows Percy specifically what's happening with an iris message. There's a giant humanoid figure in ash and fire. The mountain Mount St. Helens shaking and rumbling, and then we see um, floods and disasters sweeping the U.S. as the gods try and fight off Typhon as he travels across the United States, and Typhon is heading for New York. Percy thinks that this is a trick, like the, a distraction to get the gods away from Olympus and leave it unprotected. Like obviously Typhon's actually out and about but he's like maybe we shouldn't send all of our gods to go fight this thing and Chiron's like I don't think there's anything worse than Typhon that could happen and it's like it's not a trick and Percy's like I think it's a trick and you know when the kid with no brain cells thinks it's a trick mm -hmm. like it's a trick <laughs> and they decide that that's enough for the day and adjourn the war council and let's see I talked about my Achilles thing and I kind of had my mind blown a little bit just slightly I also was like, poor Annabeth, like, like we talked about, I think in our last episode about how like, she's like, you know, the lose a loved one to worse than death, she could still be thinking that's Percy, you know, and like, she's still trying to convince Percy that he could live. And like, she's trying to convince herself that there's hope and Percy's just like, whatever, death is cool. I'm fine with it. Gonna die for the cause. Love that for me. And she's like, literally, like, he's like, Annabeth hands are shaking next to me. And I'm like, she's I feel so bad for this girl. She is just trying to, like, keep everything together. And Percy's just like, I'm a dime. <laughs> See ya. It also so sad. is sad because um, Chiron does hint that they knew, both him and Annabeth knew that Percy just spent the summer hanging out with Rachel. And yeah. Annabeth mm -hmm. is blushing and looking away. And Percy's like, oh, so she did know that's interesting and I'm like can you imagine like now that you know the prophecy if he just like sat down and processed I mean I think if he processed any of this he would just refuse to fight because the fear yeah. would set in and so he's just trying to go yeah. because he has to do it at the end of the day right he has no other choice mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter what the end of the prophecy I think this is why I think I'm like Percy I'm like yeah he dies he dies he has to do it he doesn't have any other choice if he thinks about it too much he's gonna freeze and then who's next in line for the prophecy it's Nico and Nico's gonna die and he can't put that on a child even though he is a child but Nico is Percy's goth son his son <laughs> he has to protect his weird goth son who was apparently yeah. so powerful and would have been very interesting yeah. if he was the child of the prophecy, mm -hmm. but okay. Mm -hmm. But imagine Annabeth has had technically time to process this and knows that Percy's going to die, and so she's not trying to interfere with Percy running off with Rachel because he's going to die, and if this is how he wants to spend his last days while she's confused and sad about Luke, maybe that's the best thing for them and that's so sad yeah. i am ugh, it's Annabeth. so sad my heart ugh. and it's just so hard to like read from percy's point of view because he notices all these things about her but he doesn't he's just kind of like ah she's really worked up about me dying <laughs> weird, weird. <laughs> like <laughs> and oh, oh my god i just this entire chapter made me so sad, but also every single part of it, I was like, this is me. Like, when he's reading the prophecy and he's getting every single word wrong when he reads out loud. Yeah. And Annabeth is trying to, like, gently be like, it doesn't say dogs, it says gods. And I was like, yeah. that's me every time I try to read yeah. aloud. <laughs> I do love that they add some humor into it. Yeah. I mean, he's, like, nervously shaking because he's finally reading the thing yeah. that they haven't let him read, and he does it wrong immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's immediately like, the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready for some lightning bolt questions? 
Of course. Okay. How would you root out a spy? Oh. So I feel like a good classic way to root out a spy is, like, when you leave, like, fake information mm-hmm. and see, like, which one gets to Kronos. I would, but I don't, I, I mean, everyone's a suspect. Would I tell each person a different secret? But it would have to be somehow relevant to Kronos. Like, I'd be like, Percy's greatest weakness is blah, 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 and make something up and tell everyone a different... But, like, how would I know? Would Kronos announce it? Like, they're fighting, and then he's like, I know your greatest weakness is macaroni and cheese. (laughs) And then everyone's like... And then I, like, pull out my notebook, and I'm like, that's what I told to Connor! Like... (laughs) Yeah, you have to literally cross-reference it, because you have to figure out who it could be. I also like the idea of just, like, going full, like, uh, Sherlock Holmes on everything and being, like, an investigator, like, thinking I was figuring it out. I'd imagine if we tried to solve it, we would suspect the wrong person. Oh, yeah, and we would double down really hard. ruin their life. (laughs) And it would end up being, like, someone who was, like, right next to (laughs) us, yeah. (laughs) It was actually, you know what it'd end up being? It would be that we accidentally leaked the information and we didn't realize it. Oh, my God, we would! And we're just, like, attacking, uh, like, someone else the whole time, and then we realize it's us. We're like, it's my bad. The other person's, like, roasting on the steak, and we don't even care. We're like, oops. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everything's forgivable at the end. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. It's all fine. Yeah. It's all if fair. If we did it, war. then yeah. it's fine, yeah. How would you root out a spy? I do like the whole, like, leaking information and then seeing what right? comes up. I think that's the best one. But I do love a little bit of, like, a hot a hot seat and just, like, try to, like, interrogate Ooh. everybody. I know we don't have a time, that and the whole fun. point is, like, to, like, they're tearing everyone apart. But, for example, when they're like, well... You know, why wouldn't Luke's siblings be one of the spies? Or why wouldn't X, Y, and Z be the spy? Um, I'd be like, okay, so I, like, write down your points and then cross them off because they're stupid and we're going to ignore that <laughs> from now on. And I think it would be really cool to just, like, court, like courtroom style. Just It was him in the library with a knife and see what happens. Mm, yeah. Yes, just like in the iconic 2005 film Hoodwinked. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> when they are investigating for who uh, killed the granny or whatever. I don't remember. I think I know I'm the so plot. Sorry for that. I am so sorry for that obscure reference, <laughs> but that movie was, I was obsessed with it. You were. I was obsessed and I still stand by it, but that's all I'm imagining you as, like, how they're in, like, a dark room and they're, like, confronting all these characters from Red Riding <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, the, the 90s movie Clue. Oh, no, that was clearly a Clue reference. I had to make it into something else weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Would you rather control your own dreams? Like, be able to control other people's dreams or just, like, not have any power with dreams? Oh, shit. Um, I feel like I wouldn't want power with dreams because, okay, I like my own, okay, well, I don't like them, but I feel like my own dreams are, like, a useful tool in that, I guess it would be, actually, maybe I'd rather, I'm changing my mind, (laughs) maybe I'd rather control my own dreams because then I could do, like, fun things with it, like, be like, oh, I'm gonna go find out all the secrets of the universe. But I do feel like it would be a toxic thing where I'd just, like, spy on people and then I'd, like, not like it. Mm-hmm. It would get very Black Mirror-esque. Oh, yeah. It's very easy to get lost mm-hmm. in it. Maybe I'll just say no. Okay. Just say no to dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I was in between. So I, apparently, which is what I've learned after I, like, I got older and started talking to other people, I have a lot of lucid dreams comparatively to other people, Ooh, which I didn't really? realize. I was like, yeah, everyone can control their dreams. No. Yeah, there's like a, <laughs> a lot of moments, like if something's not logical, I am able to be like, that's not logical, and be like, well, I'm going to just like close my eyes and like erase it, or if something really tragic happens in my dream, I just am like, no, I don't want this, and I'll just like reverse time in my dream, which I re- recognize as like, not this is why I'm always tired I don't think I am well rested ever because I'm like controlling my (laughs) dreams and I thought that everyone could do that until I got to like literally college Mm -hmm. and I was explaining I was like yeah we'll just like you know leave your dream if it's uncomfortable and my roommate was like what are you talking about (laughs) 
but I will I say that. that I do like being able to control dreams, and the dreams I can't mm-hmm. control are really scary. But um, mm-hmm. I do like the idea of showing up, like being able to control other people's dreams, because I do know that I don't know about you, but like if I dream about somebody else, I'm a very like intrigued about them for about 24 hours like if I have a dream about someone where I'm married to them or in a romantic setting with someone I'm a little bit in love with them for 24 hours and then it goes away yeah yeah so it'd be kind of cool to do that but then everything I do I'd be like it's not real you just dreamed about me because I put it there and that would get me really upset so I think I would rather control my own dreams you just show up in other people's dreams and make them all fall in love with you yeah just for 24 hours so I don't have to do a commitment (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah Exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right, last one. Um, so in this ch- in the last chapter, Clarice makes Selena hot chocolate to be like, I'm sorry, your boyfriend's mm-hmm. dead. Here's some hot chocolate. <laughs> so what's your comfort food or beverage when you're upset? Oh. I mean, on- hot chocolate is probably, if I had to pick a beverage, mm-hmm. that's what I would pick. Food? Kind of depends on the mood, what mood I'm in. I love mashed potatoes if I'm in, like, a savory mood. When you're when upset. I'm typically in a, When I'm upset. Yeah. Well, it still depends on if I want savory or sweet. <laughs> I think when I'm upset, I prefer sweet food, though. Yeah. Just, like, chocolate. That's fair. Ugh. Any chocolate. What about you? I don't like to eat when I'm upset. Um... Okay. Well, then why did you create this question? <laughs> but I do like to, like, I like to have, like, a hot chocolate. I do avoid alcohol when I'm upset because I hate oh, yeah. being drunk and upset. I think that's the worst feeling ever. So I do love a good hot chocolate or, like, a hot beverage. Mm-hmm. I do like mm-hmm. soup. So maybe soup is my food, yeah. technically, even though it is glorified beverage. But hot chocolate is the best. Yeah, I love hot chocolate. That's that's the one thing I like about when it gets cold. Hot chocolate. <laughs> I also like being able to wear the rest of my wardrobe. I have like three yeah, shirts and then like 99 sweaters. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I do like a sweater. Mm-hmm. I can't stop mm-hmm. buying sweaters, but this is going <laughs> to get off topic. Sweaters. Sweaters. All right. Well, well, well. Next episode chapters four through six percy and annabeth are gonna have some more awkward confrontations nico's gonna show up and percy will head away from camp to do something we're not sure what don't forget to follow us on social media we are at camp Pod on wherever you can find social media you can email us your thoughts or questions or whatever at camphalfpod at gmail.com don't forget to rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time!